Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. The Unofficial Bengals Podcast. Welcome to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. All right, in this episode, we're going to review the Bears game. We're going to preview the Steelers game. Sands is going to drop by with his expert analysis. Tom McLeavy is going to stop in for another McLeavy minute. And I'd also like to welcome in a special guest, Justin Lacey, who's a football analyst and a Bengals expert. What's up, Bengal Nation? This is Adrian the Mad Backer Ross, and you're listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast. Who day? Week 2 Review Chicago Bears 20, Cincinnati Bengals 17. We never gave up. I know some of our best players didn't have their best games. I know we kind of went in there thinking that we were going to roll over the Bears and go to 2-0 and and on to Pittsburgh. I know it was tough to watch four turnovers and the game just slip away and snowball. But, you know, once it gets like that, after a while, you're kind of immune to it and you're just like, all right, let the avalanche start. What are we going to do? But we showed resiliency. A lot of teams falling down, you know, 17-3, 23 They start to lack effort, but that wasn't the case with this team, and that's not going to be the case with this team. This team is going to fight all year, and it doesn't matter if we have an early season loss. It doesn't matter if our our bubble was bursted and we're thinking that we're going to have 11, 12 wins, and all of a sudden we lose to the Bears, and now we're feeling like we're going to be a 500 team. None of that matters. We're going to take it one week at a time. This roster is going to keep fighting, and we have a lot of good players, and things are going to go all right for us this year. Yeah, I was disappointed. I was so mad. I was in a bad mood all day Sunday. It was I couldn't shake it. I was just I over the years I, I felt I was starting to grow up and mature and not let a Bengal game destroy my Sunday. But this one did because I had such high expectations after that first game. And then to see us at the end to like come within a play or two of getting the ball back and I was almost feeling like, you know, if we get the ball back, Burrow's gonna take us down for a tying field goal or a winning touchdown. I was prepared for another overtime. None of that happened. That's okay. On to Pittsburgh. All right, so let's analyze some of the key plays in the game that led to our demise, unfortunately. So we're in a 7-3 game. We get the strip sack from Reeder. Logan Wilson going for the ball. And I don't blame him. You know, there, there are cases where you fall on the ball. And I know in hindsight, yeah, fall on the ball, we'll get the ball at the 25, and it'll help the offense get us right back in the game. I understand that. But in the moment... That ball was right there on the ground. There was no one in front of him. He went for the pickup, tried to run before he totally picked it up, and Fields got a a hand in there. You know, that that was a good play by the rookie. Again, like everything, a game of inches. You know, he he just was able to swat that away from Wilson picking it up and going. So that that was a key play because if Wilson does recover that, we go on to either make it a 7-6 game or a 10-7 Bengals game, and the whole complexion of the game changes. Another key play, right after the Wilson play, we got the ball back, and we hit the deep ball to Higgins right around midfield, 
and they got him to fumble. I mean, that's going to happen. It's going to happen to the best of us. Everyone fumbles. And, you know, that would have been a key play that set us up in their territory and, again, probably would have led to either a 7-6 game or a 10-7 game. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. And then, obviously, the play that really turned the game around, at 10-3, we have the pick six. And, you know, Burrow didn't see him. It, that's going to happen to anybody. And Burrow is still a young quarterback. And, and I put him on a pedestal. He's an amazing quarterback. He's one of the top quarterbacks in the league already. But, you know, that's a complicated defense. That's an experienced defense. And they baited him into throwing an interception underneath. And then you see Burrow trying to chase down the tackle. I was just like, you know what? Please, Joe, let him score. It's not worth it. But, again, that warrior mentality, the frustration of throwing an interception, there's no doubt that he was going to try to run that down and try to make a play. But, you know, you got to watch yourself on that, Joe. That's one of those that you just take your loss and come out to fight another day. And now we're looking at a 17-3 game. We're playing from behind. We're trying to force the ball in there. And then, of course, we have the two interceptions. I'll go over them later and exactly what happened on those plays. But, you know, you're trying to climb back into the game. Burrow's still having the confidence and not letting an interception rattle him and trying to make plays. And, you know, it just it just snowballed. And a little bit of bad decision, a little bit of bad performance on some of the supporting cast, and a little bit of bad luck. And now, you know, the, the game's kind of getting away from us. But then we climb back into the game. Amazingly enough, showing resiliency, showing that, you know what, this offense can score twice in five minutes if you let us. And then we get to that last drive, we stop them on the third and nine. The inevitable happens, we let a scrambling quarterback get by. Hendrickson almost had him, and I was shocked that he didn't get him, because it wasn't just like he waved and arm-tackled him. Like, he really got a good... He really got a good piece of Fields on that. But Fields, I guess, is just stronger than we think and a more superior athlete than we thought. And there he was. Broke the game open. No chance for us to get the ball back. Bengals lose the game, unfortunately. So those were the five plays, five, six plays, that kind of spelled a defeat for us. But it's something to learn from. It, It was frustrating to watch, let's not lie. But again, let's move on. All right, let's go over some general observations on the game. So one of the key things that wasn't talked about that much, the Bears were killing us in field position. I mean, how many times did we get the ball on like the 10 or less or inside the 20? And they were getting the ball, you know, 25-yard line, 30-yard line, especially with the interceptions. I mean, forget it. They They really swung field position there. But that's one of those hidden things. Time of possession, field position, Those are things that silently win or lose games, and the Bears really had the advantage in field position this whole game. And that's typically not like us. Normally our special teams are the dominant ones, and we get some good returns, and we get some good stops. But in this case, we did not, and they got us. And then four turnovers. I don't care who you are, how good your offense is, how good your team is, it's hard to win when you turn over the ball four times, unless the other team turns it over five times. And again, we continue to have trouble with these mobile quarterbacks, which worries me when we go play the Ravens. You know, there's a couple mobile quarterbacks around the league. I mean, we're going to have to face Lamar twice, and they're going to follow some of the blueprint that they did last year, and they're going to look at what Fields did, and it's going to be something that we're going to have to scheme up and just get better at stopping. It's been historically bad for us, and even though our defense is playing great, it's looking like we're going to have trouble with those mobile quarterbacks again. And rookie quarterbacks, I just don't understand it. And you can't go by years past. I know the team this year is a different team than it was in years before. But it just always seems like when we face a rookie quarterback, we don't do well. Like Belichick, rookie quarterbacks don't stand a chance against them. For some reason against us, we always seem to let a rookie quarterback beat us. And it happened once again. So another thing we need to just figure out. I mean, just analyze what Belichick is doing. What does he do to rattle these young quarterbacks? And let's follow that blueprint. Because their defense isn't any better than ours man for man. We have, a, we have a very solid defense with a lot of good players. So Belichick finds a way to do it. Now Anna Rumo and Coach Taylor have to find a way to do it. And then there was a lot of talk about the play calling, and I understand it. You know, I was one of the ones who went into the game saying, you know what, they have bad corners, let's put them in five wide and just pick down the field all day. But the Bears were smart. I mean, first off, they came up and made the tackles. Regardless of if their corners are good coverage guys or what, they tackled well. When we caught the ball, they were right there to tackle us, so they were turning every pass into a short game. 
So now moving forward, I'm going to actually take a step back and not be so crazy about this five-wide system because a lot of teams are now going to watch what the Bears did, and now there's a blueprint to defeat that empty backfield that Joe Burrow is so good at. So what I like better for us is the three-wide receiver and a tight end and a running back. Now you have the tight end and the running back to help out the offensive line. And the tight end is now a fourth wide receiver, technically. So, you know, you're not really going five wides, but technically you're going to have four wide receivers out there if you send the tight end out on a route. And we're doing very well with that trips formation. You know, three guys to one side. They normally have, like, the middle guy on the line and the other two guys offset. And there's so many route combinations that you can run off that. So I'm going to change my philosophy and say, let's get away from the five wides and let's go with that three wides tight end, running back, you know, 11 personnel, as they call it. And I think we're going to have a lot more success doing that. Other observations, the defense let up 203 total yards. I mean, there were some key plays that broke the game open, but, man, when you're only letting up 200 yards, that's a winning formula. So the defense is still playing outstanding. And we held Montgomery, a very active back, who had a very good week one. We held him to 61 yards, just like Dalvin Cook. So that's a very good performance out of the rush defense. And then the other two things that often can swing a game, letting up points before the half, and we didn't do that. So that's a very big plus for us. And then when you get the ball, that first drive of the second half, that's when you make your adjustments and you kind of see how the rest of the game is going to flow. And in this case, we had a nice 12-play drive and got a field goal. So we scored on our first drive of the second half. And that was despite riding the five-wide receiver look that wasn't working and it led to two sacks on that drive and a pressure and even on that play action to Ryan, Burrow was getting pressured. So even though there were some negatives on that first drive, and it might not have been excellent play calling, we found a way to get it done and score on the first drive of the second half. That's another way that you win games. Okay, let's move on to the position group. So first off, quarterback, Joe Burrow. couple things. The interceptions, you don't think that's going to motivate him? With that mentality, with that stone-cold killer mentality, knowing that the whole league is, oh, Burrow had three interceptions, man, you know, he isn't what we thought he was, oh, the pick six, yeah, okay, everyone can keep believing that, this guy is going to come out like a maniac against the Steelers, he's going to learn from them too, he's one of those guys that learns from his mistakes, I don't think we're going to see a linebacker drifting off and getting in the way of a quick slant anymore, I think that he's going to be hypersensitive to that, and he was sharp early, and he was sharp late. You know, you take away that one block of the game where we had the rough time with the interceptions. He was throwing the ball very accurately all game. And then, as I said before, we were moving the ball late. We had the two touchdowns, and I feel that if we got the ball back, Joe was going to put us into overtime or put us to a win. So that does bode well for the future. It's almost like you can't knock this team out. All right, so let's move on to the interceptions very quickly. So, yes, he never saw Roquan Smith. That was a mistake just a flat-out Joe Burrow mistake. You don't see a lot of them. We're all human. It's going to happen to the Hall of Famers. It's going to happen to anybody who plays that position. So, you know, we'll chalk that one up as an L. On the second one, Jonah missed his block, and Burrow wanted to make things happen, needed to get the ball out quick, so he forced it into Higgins. You know, I guess a bad decision, but it was caused by pressure and, again, interception number two. Interception number three, Suafilo went for the double team on a defensive tackle and missed a blitzer. And Burrow's going to throw. He, he gets his arm slammed on a helmet, which is bad in two ways. I mean, you could break your wrist, you could break your fingers. And just that motion of, you know, gunning the ball as hard as you can and then your arm getting stopped mid-motion. I mean, that could really shake up your shoulder and your elbow. Those are like disastrous plays, so I'm glad that he didn't get hurt on that. But that was, again, it was it was a missed free runner at Burrow, tried to make something happen, and, you know, he hit hit the other guy's helmet. So I'm not trying to make excuses for Joe on all these, but two of them were caused by pressure, and one of them was just a flat-out mistake. All right, on to the running backs. Not a lot to report here. Mixon was running hard as usual, and it was almost like the game against the Vikings. They were stopping him in the first half. You know, he's getting three yards here, four yards there, nothing too big. But then he started opening up more. So he was primed for another big second half, and that was starting to happen. You know, he had a 10-yard run on that first drive of the second half. And then due to the fact that the game kind of slipped away with the interceptions and the turnovers, 
we were playing catch-up, and that kind of neutralizes Mixon. So that's really why he didn't have a bigger game. And it was nice to see Chris Evans get his first catch. I think it was like a 14-yarder, and again, that was on that first drive of the second half. It was good to see him on the field. I don't think he saw much action against the Vikings, and we're going to see a lot more of that. So at least he got his feet wet, had a nice productive catch, and uh, let's go. We're going to see we're going to see him doing that a lot this year. Tight ends again, mostly blocking. They haven't really been using the tight ends. I think against the Steelers, you might want to use them a little bit more in the passing game. But as of now, they've mostly been blocking. They ran the same play to Uzama. I think like two plays in a row or or very close to each other in one of the earlier drives, and they were unsuccessful. And Uzama was running hard on the pick six. I mean, really, there was two guys that were really trying to make the play there, and it was Burrow and Uzama. So I give him credit for hustling. He really turned on the Jets, unfortunately, wasn't able to make the tackle. But good hustle, and I'm very happy that he did that. On to the wide receivers. Jamar Chase looked like A.J. Green on that one touchdown. How many times did we see A.J.? We've seen him do it against the Steelers and the Ravens where he's catching the ball downfield. It's him and two DBs. He makes a move. The two guys bang into each other. They look kind of foolish, and he waltzes into the end zone. It's nice to have flashbacks of A.J. from our new kind of replacement for A.J. So keep doing what you're doing, Chase. I know you had the drop, but you had a couple really nice catches as well. So we're going to get a lot of production out of Jamar Chase this year. Really excited about about him. I mean, two touchdowns in two games. I can see him getting 10-plus touchdowns this year at this rate. Tyler Boyd had a low-key, very good game. Had some really nice catches, running nice routes, coming through in the clutch like always. So that was business as usual for him. I know he got a little frustrated as the game went went on, and he did give up on the pick six. I would have liked to have seen him chase it down, but I guess, you know, he was behind the play. He probably didn't want it. He was probably upset that it happened and he probably didn't want to get blindside tagged by somebody so I'm going to give him a pass on that Tyler Boyd is a baller for us and I really don't want to say anything negative about him and Higgins made several good catches too a low-key good game he had the touchdown after he was injured and you know he's going to reflect back on this game and say it was a rough game because he had the fumble and he had the injury but that's going to motivate him and he did have some very good catches in this game And again, he's another one that's just going to be productive for this year and beyond. All right, so the last thing, we're going to move on to the offensive line. I don't even want to talk about it. I I don't know, guys. It's just, I said it in the offseason, and it's not the I told you so game, but I was like, you need to bring in four new offensive linemen. And when I looked at the, the starting five in this game, I'm like, there's one new offensive lineman. It's not enough, and we're seeing the results of that. I mean, Spain played well. He's been having a good year so far. But I'm going to move on to the other guys. Jonah had a rough game, let's be honest. He let up a pressure, a couple pressures. He let up a sack. He had the penalty. Not his best game after having a very good first game. And I saw the interview with him. I was very impressed with his intelligence and his accountability. So, you know, again, I'm rooting for him. We need him to be a dominant left tackle. And, you know, hopefully he makes the adjustments and continues on that path. And Reef had a decent game, too. He did miss an edge rusher that led to a sack. But aside from that, I think he's, he's doing pretty well for us. And he's turned into a very good acquisition, in my opinion. But then on to the other guys. Hopkins is not ready to play. I don't know how many times I can say it. You know I'm always talking about the ACL. I know I, I, I've said it a million times. I've had it. I know the rehab. I know the frustration behind it. I know you're not ready in seven months or eight months or even nine months, ten months. And he's not ready. I've seen him on his back more than any center should be on his back. And I can't blame him. He's trying to get in there and contribute. He brought himself back rehabbing. His body is just not ready, and it's hurting the team. And I don't know what other options that we have at this point. And Suofilo is hurting us in there. You know, he has some good plays. He has some good flashes. But he has some... He's struggling against those stunts. He's turning into a little bit of a liability, and... It's a matter of, is Jackson Carmen going to be able to replace him? And because if Jackson Carmen was more ready to play than Suofilo or better at this point, he would be in the starting lineup. So the coaching staff and Frank Pollock, a very respected coach, we love him, says that Carmen is not where Suofilo is right now. But Suofilo hurt his leg, so I don't know his status for the next game, so we might see Jackson Carmen in there by default. Hey, and maybe a star will be born. Maybe that'll lead to him stepping it up getting his feet wet, getting a feel for the game. 
I don't know if he can do much worse than Suofilo has been doing. And I'm sorry, I don't, Xavier, I don't mean to cut on you like this. I'm just watching the tape, and it just hurts to see free rushers at Burrow because of mistakes. And then on to the sacks. I'm not going to go over every sack, but the problem is it's getting dangerous when you have free rushers at the quarterback. It, it hasn't been really a case of you know, guys battling and second efforts and Burrow holding the ball too long and, and getting sacked. He's held the ball along on a couple plays, but for, for the most part, Jonah was late on a stunt. Burrow gets popped from a guy that barely got touched. Suafila was late on a stunt. Same thing, Burrow getting hit by a free runner. And then Reef, they had a really wide edge rusher, so Reef went to go help out on the inside, and you have this edge rusher coming unblocked at Burrow. So those are very dangerous sacks that if they keep up and we keep missing these assignments, Joe Burrow is not going to make it through this season. And I'm going to be really upset if that happens because it's preventable. It was preventable by getting more help on the offensive line, and it's preventable by watching film and being prepared. In these cases, those three sacks that I'm talking about, they weren't our guys just getting bowled over and beat. They were mental errors, so that needs to be corrected. Onto the defense, another very strong effort, especially those defensive tackles. Reeder, Ogunjobi, Tupo, B.J. Hill's been an excellent addition. They're playing at a very high level. They're stuffing the run. They're getting penetration. These guys are the stars of our team right now. Reeder had that one drive-killing sack. Hendrickson was very active. He had one and a half sacks, the strip sack, and he just seems to be all over the field. I know the missed tackle at the end. He, he drops contain sometimes because he's one of those aggressive players, so he, he cuts in a little too hard and leaves that edge open. That happened a few times to him in the last two games. But I'm not going to complain. I have no complaints about how he's playing right now. He's the best defensive end we've had here in a few years. And we need more production out of Sam Hubbard. You know, he's making a play here, he's making a play there, but for a $10 million cornerstone captain, you want to see him playing more like Hendrickson. On to the linebackers. Logan Wilson is continuing to grow. Very active. Almost had that game-changing fumble recovery and had a great interception on a really bad play call. I mean, the Bears, what are you doing there? Just run the ball. You could have drained the clock. You didn't need to do that. You let us right back in the game by having a rookie quarterback throw a third-down pass when you're trying to eat the clock. Really bad decision by Coach Nagy. Defensive backs, it was rough seeing Jesse Bates have a rough game in coverage. We're just not used to it. It's just like Joe Burrow. We're used to both of those guys being flawless. And this was not Jesse Bates' best game. But again, he was on a defense that only gave up 200 yards, one touchdown, and two field goals. So he didn't play that poorly. It's just that he got exposed on a couple deep balls. And Eli Apple's hurting us, unfortunately. He's just not... A starter, You know, he's a guy maybe you throw in there if somebody gets injured for a few plays. But having to rely on him to lock down one side of the field is not working. Trey Waynes, I hope you're coming back. I saw some rehab film from Trey Waynes, and it looked like he's pretty close to playing. I heard he may play this week. Once he comes back, this defense is going to be even more solid, and I'm hoping it's this week at, or at worst Jacksonville. But now again, you have a player coming back from injury, and if he does play against the Steelers... Now he's going to play two games in four days after coming back from, you know, two hamstring injuries. I'm hoping that he holds up, and I'm hoping that they're smart with it. Don't force him back against the Steelers, even though we need him back. I'd rather save him for game four so we have him the rest of the way. And Awuzie continues to play well. He battled Robinson very well this game. I know Robinson got the touchdown, and there was the one ball late in the end zone that was kind of a drop, but Awuzie was right there. You can kind of make the case for... Did he get beat or not beat there? But that's a tough wide receiver to cover, and he held his own, and I think he's been a great addition to the team so far, and he's a very good tackler as well. And on to the other great tacklers, Hilton and Bell. I mean, these guys are just very unique defensive backs because they just make the plays. They're all over the backfield. They never miss a tackle. They're going to lead to a lot of victories for us, and Bell was fired up. Did you see him kind of taunt Dalton in the end zone I, I wish that he didn't do that but he was just so jacked up and wanting to be an enforcer and wanted to lay down the law like we're going to rip you guys apart this game so I'm not going to fault him on it and then because of Ricardo Allen going out we're not able to use that three safety look as much as we like we picked up Sean Davis an ex-stealer but he was on the couch before we picked him up so you know if he was in prime form he would have been with someone 
anyway, we got him in for a couple plays, and that did limit our three safety look, and that exposed our linebackers a little bit more. And on to special teams. Evan McPherson, just keep doing what you're doing. You are playing amazing. Everyone's going to be hyping you up. There's going to be a lot of distractions because you're playing so well. But just just keep kicking the ball. And I think that's how he is. He's, You know, when you get younger players like that, and this happens a lot with long snappers, when you have a young long snapper, he doesn't. he's not worried about a mortgage and his future and having to make a paycheck. He's just whipping the ball back there, whipping the ball back there. When guys get older... Stuff gets in their head more, like, oh, you know, if I miss another kick, my career is going to be over, and I'm not going to be able to provide for my family. It's really a, a real thing. So when you have a young kicker with that much talent and that kind of carefree attitude, that's just a great formula. And this guy is going to be winning games for us right and left this year and beyond. What an excellent pickup. I'm so surprised that the rest of the league slept on him, and we basically snagged a future pro bowler in the fifth round. And Brandon Wilson, that's another one of our elite players having a rough game. I've never seen him have that rough of a game. And the Bears were were challenging him to return it. Every time the ball goes back to him, I'm like, oh, this is going for 40-plus yards. And unfortunately, you know, he had the one that he kind of dropped and mishandled, and they got him at like the 10 or 15. You know, he had another one that he barely got out past the 20. They, they really had his number this game, but that's not the norm. You know what we're going to get out of Brandon Wilson. I'm not worried about him at all. And Clark Harris continues to be perfect, and Kevin Huber continues to be solid. So no complaints about that. Guys, just keep doing what you're doing. And these are two guys that are older that could get that mentality in their head, but it just doesn't seem like that's in them. You know, Clark Harris calls himself immature, and maybe that works to his advantage because he's not afraid to blow a snap and not feed his family. He's just out there, again, slinging the ball around. So he's an exception to what I mentioned before. So I just love our specialists, all three of them. You know, they're going to lead to very good things for us as they have in the past and as they will in the future. McLeavy Minute. All right, we're here with Tom McLeavy. Tom, how are you today? Thank you. How you doing, bud? All right, man. That was a tough loss. How, what are your thoughts on that game and on how the season's going so far? Well, you know, two weeks in, you could tell, you know, we – we have a, a solid defense. Is it top 10? Probably not, but it's all we asked for in the beginning of the year, uh, a 15-ranked defense to go with an offense, with the offensive weapons that we have. But unfortunately, uh, the offense didn't show up this week. You know, listen to Tony Pike on the radio in Cincinnati. You know, he knows more offense. And, you know, he's putting the blame on Zach Taylor. You know, they're wondering, is there like a pitch count on Joe Burrow? Because, you know, they're not, you know, moving him out of the pocket. They're keeping him in the pocket. And the thing I stress in the beginning of the season, you and everybody else, the offensive line, that middle is not showing up and he's getting hit. You know, it's, it's unfortunate that, you know, I can see an injury with him just releasing the ball and hitting his hand on the helmet and breaking a finger. Tough loss. They didn't throw the ball downfield. Apparently, you know, Chase was uh, complaining after the game that, you know, what they did at the last three minutes of the game, they should have been doing more during the game, getting the ball downfield and that offensive line I always wonder what Duke Tobin is thinking when he watches these games how he couldn't address the offensive line um give him kudos he picked uh McPherson and that could be the best pick of Duke Tobin's career as a middle rounder you just have confidence that when McPherson hits the field he's gonna make it I just I didn't realize this. I know he missed half the season last year, but Joe Burrow hasn't won a, a, a weight game. And Zach Taylor has one win in the weight game. So, uh, you know, that's scary numbers. What is Brian Callahan doing <laughs> during the game? Apparently, Zach Taylor's calling all the plays. So, you know... Even though Callahan hasn't called any plays in the NFL, let's see what he's thinking. Let him run a game. I don't know why Zach Taylor has to 
hoard all the the calling. So there's a lot of questions, and you know now it's Pittsburgh. You know one and one against the uh, NFC North, and now you're going to Pittsburgh. Granted, they're not the same. Pittsburgh apparently hurt himself last game, so he's questionable for this game. I'm, you know, you, you gotta wonder. Pittsburgh is gonna hit that center of the offensive line. You know, looking at Sunday night's game, Ravens Chiefs, we're miles away from that. So I was thinking maybe we're a little closer, but that talent that was on on display Sunday night, we're not close to until unless we uh, start figuring things out and uh, understand more of what Zach Taylor is trying to, to accomplish here. Week three preview, Cincinnati Bengals at Pittsburgh Steelers. First drive, let's get a little breathing room. Mixon, run to the right. Have a tight end in motion going that way. Let them slam on the defensive end. I don't care if it's Watt. I don't care who it is. Let's just go, not interior, because Hayward's a force in there, and we've been having a little bit of trouble inside. Let's go right off tackle there and let Mixon get three, four yards on first down and set up a second and short and ultimately a third and short. Play number two. Play action. Let's let let's let's be in second and six and let them think that we're going to run it again to get in third and short. And this time it's going to be a play action deep ball to chase. Let's do what what Henry Ruggs did. You know he exposed that secondary and had that long pass. Let's do the same thing right out of the gate. Imagine a long bomb to chase on the second play of the game against the Steelers. That would just send momentum so far in our favor that that game could be unlosable at that point. And third down, just say the second down touchdown play doesn't happen like that. A screen to Mixon. Let's go in third down. Let them think that we're going to be going downfield to one of our receivers. Let that pass rush get really aggressive. And just float it right past him to Mixon. We'll expose those linebackers and let Mixon scamper down the field for 15, 18 yards. After that first first down, we go five wides. And we get the Steelers all like, oh, they're in five wides. We know how to defeat this. But then let's motion Mixon into the backfield and do another run to the right side off tackle. Just set him up, you know, get ourselves in another second and mid and third and short ultimately, and then chip our way down the field. Hopefully none of this matters because hopefully that second play call with the deep ball to chase is going to work. Coach Taylor, again, I hope you're listening. All right, on to some quick offensive strategy. A couple things that I think are going to work this game is, again, let's go to that three-wide receiver look with a tight end and a running back. We need to protect Burrow. The Steelers have an excellent pass rush and a pretty strong defense, so let's not leave him stranded back there. Let's have a tight end helping out and a running back helping out and just use those three-wide receivers with clever route combinations and just destroy those corners. And I think this could be a good game for Tyler Boyd. I don't think Sutton matches up with him well at all, so let's try to get that, that... match up isolated, and just go to Boyd early and often. And by the same token, I think that screens are going to work as well. Their linebacking core isn't as dominant as it's been in years past. I know Bush is banged up. They have Schobert in there, but, you know, he's not a great coverage guy. So I think they could be really vulnerable to even some tight end passes, you know, down the seam, and especially some screens. And then very few five wide receiver looks. Maybe throw it in a couple times a game or use it as a deception where you motion someone back into the backfield because they're going to be all over that. So let's limit that because I don't think it's going to work that well this game because they're going to use the Bears' blueprint. And then take some notes on what the Raiders did. The Raiders moved the ball very successfully on Pittsburgh. Let's analyze what they did to do so and copy some of it. You know, the the Steelers are going to copy what the Bears did against five wides and don't stop feeding Mixon. You're going to need time of possession. You're going to need to take some of the heat off Burrow, and they're going to stop him early. You know, I think that that defensive line is, is a very good defensive line, and they're, they're going to give Mixon problems early. Don't give up on the run game. Hopefully it'll be one of those things, just like the first two games, where by the second half, it's not three-yard runs. Now you're starting to open up those seven, eight, ten-yard runs. Concerns when we're on offense is it's a very good defense. It's a very well-coached defense. It's a very disciplined defense, and they have an incredible defensive line. Watt, if he plays, Hayward's going to be a game wrecker if we can't get things solved on the interior offensive line. Ingram, 
is another guy they brought in who's had a great career pass rushing. Highsmith, I don't know if Tewitt's playing either, but I mean, you add in all those guys, whether there's one or two of them injured or not, that's a force to be reckoned with, and we're going to have to be on our best and really scheme things up and perform well because Burrow's going to get hit a lot if we don't. All right, on to defensive strategy. Let's do what everyone's doing. Let's force Ben to push it down the field because he's having a hard time doing that. You know, that elbow and the age, it's just getting to him. He's not a a deep ball quarterback anymore. They do a lot of stuff underneath. So it's almost like what the Bears did to us. I hate to keep going back to it, but they were, you know, letting him complete those short passes and just diving all over it. So let's do the same thing and then ultimately get him to push it down the field, throw a few lazy long balls, and just watch Bates and Wouzier and those guys just take advantage with some interceptions. And then their offensive line. I mean, it's totally revamped and not for the better. So that's a good opportunity to really attack that line. And how do you do it? I don't know if you want to blitz Ben a lot because he's such a good quarterback, and again, he's good with the short game still, and they they have decent tight ends. Who knows what Fryermuth is going to do? And they have Ebron, so... You know, if we're going to be blitzing him a lot, I think Ben is going to have the edge there. So the way to really attack that line is going to be with stunts. Just do a lot of creative things up front, and I think personnel too. We're deep on the defensive line, so let's do some heavy rotations. Let's constantly have fresh guys coming in there and change of pace guys. You know, maybe one time it's Hubbard on the outside, the next time it's Hodge. You know, the next time it's it's a linebacker out there. Just really mix it up. Maybe Jordan Evans. That's a Jordan Evans blitz play, one of the few blitzes. Let's let's get them confused with the stunts and the rotations and really take advantage of a very vulnerable spot on their offense. And you have to stop Najee Harris early. He hasn't been running great so far. I know he had the touchdown play last game, but you know, this is an example of another rookie who could have his breakout game against us. I've seen it before. I just don't want that to happen. Let's get to him early, not let him get early success. Maybe get a little bit of a lead and force Ben to put the ball in the air and just not let the rookie beat us. And then concerns, it's a very strong wide receiver group. I know Deontay Johnson got hurt at the end of the last game. And, you know, I don't like the Steelers. I hate the Steelers, let's be honest. But I kind of felt bad for him because it was the end of the game, the whistle blew. He's on the sideline hurt, and everyone's, like, running to the middle of the field to exchange jerseys and shake hands, and he's just, like, left there on the sideline, tended to by the medical staff with no one even caring and... You know, you don't like to see any player in that position. So anyway, I don't know his status for the game, but, you know, Schuster's always a threat, even though I think he's overrated. Claypool's a monster. They have Washington. You know, they have a few guys that they can get the ball out to. So we're going to have to be wise with that. It's not like they're going to be running deep routes that much, but they could really eat us alive on the short game if we're not if we're not up to the task. And then the other concerns are Ben Roethlisberger. You know, he's a future Hall of Famer, even though he's kind of reaching the end and declining He's still a savvy quarterback who's hard to bring to the ground and can make plays at any time in the game. So he's always a factor no matter where he's at in his age and in his career. And then lastly, our linebackers struggle a little bit in coverage. So with Ebron and Fryermuth, they could be doing some damage there. So we're going to have to watch out for that. We could be shutting down the receivers in the deep game and then just getting picked apart in the middle of the field on those short routes. So that's another thing I want to be concerned about and really try to scheme up to prevent in this game. All right, and lastly, on to my prediction. It's tough to tell. The Steelers haven't been scoring a lot, but I think this is going to be a high-scoring game for some reason. I think we're going to eat up their secondary and score a lot of points, and I just think that the Steelers, being a good team, are going to go punch for punch with us. But you know what I'm saying? 34-31 Bengals, goodbye Pittsburgh at home. We're on to 2-1, getting ready for Jacksonville and put us in a good position to make a run for the playoffs. The Unofficial Bengals Podcast would like to welcome Justin Lacey. All right, we're here with a very special guest from the east side of Cincinnati, Justin Lacey. Justin, how are you today? I'm doing great, Frank. How are you doing today? Uh, you know, I'm a little mediocre after that loss, but I wanted to kind of pull you in, get your thoughts on everything. Maybe you'll, you'll help me feel better. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I'm in the same boat as you, Frank. Uh, bumped me out. with a tough loss. They played awful, plain and simple. I mean, I did love the fight at the end, but we got a long ways to go. And that was a little bit of a wake-up call that I had pretty much saw from yesterday's outing. Uh, I definitely loved the fight by Joe Burrow after throwing three straight interceptions on three consecutive passes. But then he followed up with two straight touchdown passes. And, 
you know, we were just a hair shy of a tackle away of making a what would have been a very miracle comeback, but it didn't work that way. And that's the nature of the NFL. It happens. Uh, you move on. I definitely would have loved for them to get that win, but they didn't. But yeah, I'd be happy to. I did happy to make you feel better there, Frank, because we're in the same boat here as Bengals fans. Yeah, you know, because we had such high expectations after that first game, and, you know, the Bears played a crappy first game, so we kind of thought that we were going to be in good shape on this one. And, and as you said, they didn't play well enough to win. What are some of your other thoughts on, on what you saw yesterday? For the second year in a row, because if you remember last year, Frank, in 2020, the Cleveland Browns was on the road at Baltimore. They got punched in the face pretty bad, 38-6. to And the national wires were all over the Cleveland Browns prior to their Thursday night game against the Bengals and Joe Burrow's first road game. Now, Joe Burrow also ended up playing well that game, too. But Cleveland, they came out rocking that game. And, like, the game was pretty much won. Although there was still a big-time fight by Joe Burrow then in the end, it was still not as close as what the score had made it out to be. Cleveland Browns, they came ready to play regardless of who the opponent was. They just so happened to be, we were more the inferior team coming in. This year, it was sort of similarly the same. I don't put the Chicago Bears in the same stratosphere as the Cleveland Browns last year, but their defense, their defense got laughed at. They got spit on. They got challenged all throughout national media, and they heard for weeks how much they sucked, when in all reality is, that's still a top 10 defense. From last year going into this year, they still have one of the best pass rushers in the game, and they came ready to play. They heard to hear all week about, oh, Justin Fields should start over Andy Dalton. And the story was never about that, in my opinion, even though national airwaves made it seem like it was about that. But more it was about the Bengals should have prepared better against Chicago's defense instead of relying on one week of material from their previous outing against the Rams because that was not enough. They got punched in the face. They got punched in the face pretty good. Like I said, I love the fight they did in the end, you know, to kind of make it a close score game. But you can also look at that objectively. Like, that was garbage time stuff, and this is the real NFL. You got to win, otherwise you lose. But I got to tip my hat off to the Chicago Bears. That defense came ready to play. We made that defense look like the 85 Bears defense yesterday. Now, you know what, you're right, and I guess that does make me feel better. The Bears aren't really the doormat that we thought, and that defense has been historically good, and it probably is better than everyone thinks. Yeah, it definitely is, and I give more credit to Luana Rumo and his defensive side of the ball, too, because they played incredibly hard, too. Now, Andy Dalton, we already know who he is, but the mysterious of Justin Fields, we did not know what he was going to be coming into this game. We knew about his athleticism and how elite his athleticism was coming out of college, but we, he was such this unknown character that we as Bengal fans know from previous experiences with mobile quarterbacks making their first NFL starts. You know, you can date back to Deshaun Watson in his first start in 2017 in week two so subsequently. Also Lamar Jackson making his first start against the Bengals. The list can go on and on, so I'm not going to deter away from just only just that. He was the unknown figure that we did not know. We had PTSD from those previous matchups before in years past. But the defense rose to the occasion, and honestly, I, I definitely think that the Bengals need to lean on the strength of their defense here moving forward because they, their offense is still trying to figure things out. It's a very young offense. We're expecting too much to happen so soon where it just doesn't work that way. They have to naturally jail and come together, whereas the defense, they have a lot more veterans in place, a lot of guys that are playing with more experience. So. I think I have to give more credit and positive outing to the defense side of all because they were the reason why we hung around in this game, too. You know, that's an excellent observation that they have a ton of veterans on defense with all the free agent signings and, you know, your, your Bell and your Bates. And uh, offensively, you're right. It still is a very young team. The, the core players, you know, if you're looking at Higgins and Chase and, and Burrow and even Jonah Williams, those are all guys that are pretty early in their careers. So that, that's an excellent observation there. All right, so with that said, any final thoughts on the Bears game? Absolutely. And just one thing that I know the Bengals fans, you know, again, we played bad. They, they played incredibly bad. But this is a process. And as Bengals fans, we just got to embrace the process. What I took from this game is pieces are officially in place. I couldn't say this about this ball club last year other than just evaluating Joe Burrow. We knew that T. Higgins could skyrocket and be pretty good, and he did show that. Same with Tyler Boyd. You know, he's been a rock star and consistent. But there were not too many stars in place. Obviously, Jesse Bates as well, too. Now you're starting to see 
people becoming household names, even just after two weeks. Jamar Chase, you can make the argument that he's a household name already. And the same thing on defense. And I've already talked at length about the defensive side of the ball and how many veterans are in place there. You can probably see a few potential pro bowlers. Von Bell is making a name for himself. He also played a really great game yesterday. But this is the process. We have pieces in place for this team to be special. And we need to show that we can carry it moving forward as we go into our next game going against Pittsburgh on the road. And now that you mentioned it, what are your thoughts on the Steelers game? Well, we're ready for Pittsburgh. I can't wait for I can't wait to play against them. Now, I'm going to look at it from a microcosm point of view of how this season is forming so far. Both teams look to be evenly matched. And I say that in a way that both teams' defenses are pretty good. We already knew that Pittsburgh had a great defense coming in. Nobody really sees that the Bengals was going to have a good defense coming in. They liked the potential, but they didn't know. Cause nobody knew Luana Rumo, where everybody knew Keith Butler. They have T.J. Watt, even though with the losses that they had in free agency, like Bud Dupree and et cetera, they had guys in place. Well, you see both defense are pretty much are playing hardball right now, and it's not going to be an easy game when you face both of these defenses. Now, on the flip side, on offense, the offenses are still trying to figure things out. Now, their offense, I would not want to be the Pittsburgh Steelers offense right now. I just don't. Big Ben just seems like he just can't push the ball downfield. Uh, I did take a little bit of a glimpse in the game against the Raiders that they played in. It didn't look very good for Big Ben. It, it, it definitely showed that this may be his last year. And, you know, if it is, hey, he had a phenomenal career. I'll be happy that he'll be gone. But, you know, we'll probably have to deal with another another dual-threat quarterback at some point. But, We'll cross that bridge when we get there. That's a microcosm of how the teams are performing so far. Now, on a macro scale, we always known that we were the little brothers to this Pittsburgh Steelers. And that has been challenging for the Bengals to overcome. We talked ourselves year in and year out when the Steelers week, we make a big deal out about it. And when we get ready to approach the game, and we're nervous. We're sweating in our boots because we don't want to lose to the Steelers again. Couldn't this finally be the game that we beat them again? Like, just finally do it. Then I'm here to tell people as Bengal fans, coming from an objective point of view, being from Cincinnati, and I see how our fans operate, this is the time where, yes, you respect them. You walk in this fine line between feeling confident that you can beat them, but understand that they still have your number. I understood what happened last year on Monday Night Football. That was an amazing performance by our team. We came ready to play, but that should be a referendum for you to look at this team like, I'm not afraid of you. I can beat you. I can not only beat you, I can have my foot on your neck and not make you stand up. You should have that in your head. And that is going to be in their head as they prepare for us. Because I don't care what they say. They can say new year, new team, all that, all they want. That's in their head coming off of last year. If it's not in the whole team's head, it's in a couple of players' head, specifically Juju Smith-Schuster, you know, because he's, he's the poster child of that Monday night victory that we had. But we don't need to be going into that thinking that, oh, we got this win wrapped up. This Bears loss was helpful because now we humbled ourselves thinking that we got a ways to go. We have a way to – we got to prove ourselves here. And what a best way to do it to get your first AFC win because you didn't play an AFC opponent so far this year. And it's on the road, so Joe Burrow has a chance, another crack at getting his very first road win, that to say, and it's against the Steelers. It'll be his first division win as well, too. So we got a shot at this game. The only thing I see as well is Pittsburgh also has a shot at winning this game, too. Both teams are really evenly matched in terms of the ebbs and flows of this, this ball club this year. And, and I do agree, it's almost better that we were humbled by the Bears prior to the Steelers game because, you know, when you're the underdog, you seem to fight harder than when you're the favorite. So maybe that actually is a bit of a blessing that we had this small letdown week before a much more important game. Got that right. And, and, and honestly, you, you just pretty much said it right before I was thinking the same thing too. Would you rather have lost to the Bears or would you have rather lost to the Steelers? I think the pill that you can swallow more is you really go ahead and lose that, get that, get that loss out the way to the Bears, so that way it's not hanging over here. You want to win every game, but every team wants to win every game. But we're moving on, and it just seems to me that every time we lose to Pittsburgh, they just know how to just deflate the air out of this fan base, and then next thing you know, we lose the next game, a game that we should win, and then so on. And that's why we have this notion in our minds, and it's echoed all throughout across the league. That when you play Pittsburgh, you better come ready to play because once they beat you, 
you may lose the next game as well, too. And there comes the age-old thing that you just lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers twice. Because last year, we could make that same argument about the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, we beat the hell out of the Titans last year at home. Burrow was undermanned and had nothing to work with. Tennessee had all of the weapons, all of the pieces on their team. They were 5-1 and one coming into Paul Brown Stadium. But people forgot they lost that week before against Pittsburgh, and they sort of got in their head a bit. And, you know, then they came on the road and thinking they were going to just have a nice little bounce back out against us, and they lost again. I'm not going to give them that excuse that they lost to Pittsburgh twice, but you, that's where the age saying comes from. And we have done that and gone through that so many times as a Bengals fan and as the Bengals as a team that you got to tell yourself enough is enough. That you may very well lose this game, but you also have a great chance of winning this game. And if you do lose this game, but there is a chance that that still can happen, you can come back harder and stronger and just wreak havoc on the next opponent and then it'll be out of your system. So we have a lot to prove. We have a lot to showcase ourselves. It's still very early in the season. I can't wait till we play the Steelers. It's not to say that oh, we're overconfident, that they're nothing. We have no room to be talking to ourselves like we can belittle any opponent. We have a process that we got to work through. And I'm excited to go through this process. And I'm excited to see what this team can become. And I can't wait for it. I can't wait for it. I don't care if it's in Pittsburgh or if it's in Mars or in space. I, I, I will come ready to play. <laughs> Justin, I, I love your take on things. It's not really about X's and O's. You're actually going into the psyche and human nature and, you know, the real big picture stuff. And it's it's refreshing to hear. And you're bringing in a lot of good ideas. I hope some of the players are listening to this because you're going to give them some motivation for this week. And like you said, we're going to need it. Thank you so much for the kind words. And I definitely use that as a steering point because it's still easy to talk X's and O's. I'll let everybody else take care of that part. I can definitely dive into some of those conversations, too. But for this general landscaping point, coming off of a tough loss that we did not play our best football at all, going into this game, it's just how to actually prepare yourself mentally that, hey, you had a bad day. Let's have amnesia now and move on. Bury it and move on. You know, everybody loves quoting Bill Belichick because he's so quick to respond to the podium after a bad loss. You know, the infamous, we're on the Cincinnati speech. That kickstarted them to be able to go out and have that Super Bowl run that they had in 2014. It all started there. So we have to have that same mentality approach and not just say it, but actually show it with action from the organization top down that we mean business here. I just listened to Jamar Chase's speech after the post game about, you know, they should have taken more shots deep. You know, whatever the, the conversation that they had in the locker room, regardless of all of that, I'm sure that they can all get ironed out, but iron out quickly and move on. And, to Zach Taylor and the coaches that don't be afraid to listen to your players. You need to you need them. Then they need you. You need to trust in them as well too. If they saying that they're they had DBs sitting on all their routes, listen to them. Change up the play call a little bit. But I also think that this is a great way to show that we're not going to play scared anymore, and we can take the shackles off of Burrow. Even though I do understand what happened last year to his knee injury. That's the first time I brought that up, by the way. <laughs> I know that I don't want to live in that past. But from that, based off of that, I understand that you don't want Joe Burrow getting hurt. You don't want this to be a situation where he's throwing 50-plus times a game. However, Joe Burrow doesn't need a coaching staff to protect him in this bubble, okay? He's not Tua. No disrespect to Tua, because I do like Tua. But he's not Tua Tungvaluwa. He's Joe Burrow. He's shown you, even in his worst day, that you still have a chance to win, even though he's had a bad day. So with that being said, let's just take this tough mentality on the road to Pittsburgh and let's just show these guys what we're made of and just show them that this is not the same old Bengals that you've always thought it was. You guys cannot be spitting on the Ohio teams like you've done before in the years past. Cleveland already showed you that. And we also showed you last year on Monday Night Football. And we're going to show it to you again this year. And Big Ben, you know, I respect your Hall of Fame career, but you're going out with an L. And we're going to come in here and you're going to, we're going to show you that you're going to get an L. So have that mentality. Move on. Bears game is done. Steelers, you're up next. We're ready for you. I love it, man. I cannot wait to have you back on this show again. How do people find you on social media, Justin? My Instagram user ID is Juddy13. That's all one word. Uh, and then it's spelled J-U-T-T-Y 13. And that's where I use pretty much most of my social media. I mean, very well engaged with all of the Bengals pages on there. 
it's always fun getting in touch with this newfound Bengals optimism here and this newfound Bengals community positivity on social media. And we still can't lose sight on what the organization and the new message that has been reformed come off of this past offseason. It's a new era now. You know, the stadium is not even the same stadium as it once was before when you go to the game now. It's a brand new experience, and I can't wait to see it and be a part of it, and I'm going to definitely ingrain myself into it as well, too. And I also know social media is the best way to do this, so Juddy13 is the way to get a hold of me on Instagram. Great stuff, my friend. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much, Frank. You as well. X's and O's with Sans. All right, we're here with Sans. Sans, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Frank? All right, man. Good to talk to you again. That was a tough loss yesterday, and I know a lot of the fans were getting on the play calling. What are your thoughts on the play calling from yesterday? They had a game plan to come out and empty, spread them out, try to work underneath because the Bears play a lot of quarters. This is Some of this is my thoughts on why they did it, and some of it is what they did. They came out, and I mean, almost half the snaps were in empty, I think, at least to start the game. And they just didn't get away from it. In my opinion, we don't have the guys to pass protect with five constantly like that and also be able to work downfield. Uh, you kind of got to choose one or the other. So getting into empty, I think we got an empty on third and 17, and I just thought, okay, this is a bad idea. <laughs> like, we're not going for the first down here because if we are, Burrow's going to take a big hit. Playing an empty like that requires your quarterback and offensive line to be perfect. And really, the offensive line is one of the weaker parts of this team. Why don't we require more out of the wide receivers and play in three wide receiver sets condensed sets things like that that might make it a little bit more difficult on them but easier on the offensive line this is all offense i thought defensively they were pretty good especially if you just look at what happened i mean they gave up the opening drive touchdown bill laser does a good job of scripting plays after that is where he struggles a little bit just like he used to (laughs) he kind of did again to continue thoughts on the offense, it's just we stayed in empty too long. Five guys, we don't have that to protect. If we're going to play an empty, we need to put a tight end on the line so that uh, we can at least protect with six if we need to because, yeah, it just requires you to be perfect. It's, it's asking a lot out of a young quarterback. It's asking a lot out of an offensive line that is supposed to probably be helped and not be the ones to have to do all the heavy lifting, and they didn't play very well. Yeah, Sands, going into the game, that was one of the things that I thought of was, hey, let's spread them out in five wide because they don't have a lot of good corners. I was I was thinking they'd be hard-pressed to cover Boyd in the slot, and I was thinking spread them out five wide and just keep throwing quick slants all day, and that's going to work. And personnel-wise, I thought we had the matchups, so I understand why Coach Taylor went into that game plan, but it didn't work, and as you said, he, st- he stuck with it too long. I mean, what are, what are your thoughts on those things? Yeah, no, and I understood the game plan, especially they like playing two safeties high. They like to just have usually three underneath defenders. They play a lot of zones, so they're not going to really man up Boyd against whatever whatever player <laughs> uh, is a slot corner for them. I'm not sure. Marquise Christensen, I think there was another guy. I can't think of his name, but none of them are very good. They know they're lacking there, and they play to it. But still, yeah, understood. Get your wide receivers working on these guys. They're not that great. We have the advantage. But the thing is, we only get one and a half seconds to throw. So on the other side of that, one and a half, two seconds to throw the ball. Other side of that, you're bailing these corners out. They only have to cover for one and a half, two seconds. I mean, they could get beat at two and a half, three seconds, but there's pressure. And Burroughs either trying to escape, getting sacked, getting hit, checking down. On paper, I like the idea in practice, it was it should have been changed quicker. And they were really starting to sit on some of that shorter stuff. Really, by like the second, third drive, they were already sitting on it a little bit because we're in empty, and they know we're not going deep from empty, so they're going to squat a little bit on that short stuff. What would you have done differently? You, what, what adjustments would you have made after that second or third drive when you saw that they were kind of on to our game plan? You have to look on the sideline. That's why I have those tablets and see what's happening. I wasn't super nervous about facing them in third and long. I thought, I think they're good. They don't disguise things as well as like a Mike Zimmer. They have Khalil Mack, but you just give him 
some good chips and stuff, and you can play in third and long. They're not an impossible defense to get into third and long against. I'm not against maybe you start with a play action on first down and you get a double move from Chase or Higgins, like a stop and go or an out and up, something like that, or even just a, a post corner. Try to isolate one of these corners deep down the field and see if they can hang with them. And we did that. I don't want to say it was too late because there was still a chance to win the game, but it was too late in the sense of we should have been doing this earlier. That's, that's what should happen with Chase. He got isolated on Vildor and downfield, and he ended up scoring a touchdown, like a what, 50-yard touchdown again. So eventually they tried this, but that's what I would have done by like the third drive. I would have just taken one shot. Just keep them honest. Don't let them sit on a, on a stop route. Run a stop and go. Don't let them sit on the out route, run the out, run the out and up. And I think we have the wide receivers to do it. We just would have had to block with seven, but you can't do that from empty. All right, well, with that said, how did you feel the offensive line performed? I know he was sacked four times. He was hit nine times. On paper, it seemed like a disastrous game. What, what are your thoughts when you dig into the nuts and bolts of the offensive line? Yeah, the offensive line didn't play that well. They specifically really struggled, in my opinion, on stunts and twists, which is something familiar from last year. One guy's going to go out, he's going to pick the outside guy, that guy's going to come inside because two guys are occupied by one and get a free rush at the quarterback. That's the first sack we gave up was one of those. The sacks were all weird, though. One sack was because the wide receivers didn't realize it was a screen. Everything else was saying wide receiver screen, and both Mike Thomas and Jamar Chase were downfield. I don't know if they were both blocking or one was running a route. They were just running vertical, and Burroughs looking over there because Jonah, Trey, and Quentin are all running to the left. So he ends up taking a sack there. There was another one. We were in empty, and they showed pressure to one side, dropped two guys off, and then came on the other side, and they got a free rusher to get a hit. The last one, but it's not like the offensive line was solely at fault. for. Oh, the last one was uh, Burrow held onto the ball a little bit. In my opinion, a little bit too long. Eventually, he did a little spin move type thing, and it didn't work, and the guy that was rushing on Quentin Spain got a sack, but... They were an empty, and he held the ball for three, four seconds. So, to me, that's that's one where you know you're an empty. You got to get that ball out. It was right before the half, so he's probably trying to make something happen. So, like all the sacks, there's there's some that are on the offensive line, and some of them are a little bit more on other people. Overall, I thought the offensive line was kind of poor. I expected better. I mean, specifically out of the tackles, uh, Jonah gave up that sack to me. And he gave up uh, another pressure or two. And I thought he, especially when he faced, like, Robert Quinn, I thought he had the advantage. Not against Mac, but none of our guys have an advantage against Mac. We don't have a top five tackle on the team. And the interior, weird that Trey Hopkins probably had the best game pass protecting out of everybody. I thought Quinton was pretty solid. He didn't get a ton of help. And uh, Suofilo, I mean, he didn't play great. Apparently, he has an injury, so that could have played into it a little bit. Overall, yeah, just too long and uh, want a quick answer. They didn't play that well. I, I think they were asked a lot, but they also didn't perform up to expectations. Yeah, and another recurring theme that I've been seeing through the first two games, I'm seeing Hopkins on the ground a lot. I mean, are you picking up on this, or is it just my imagination? Week one, more so. This week, I thought he didn't have too many plays like that where he ended up on the ground. He also faced a true nose more week one. He did a lot more helping this week than he did solo blocking. So, Sands, if you break it down, what is the real reason why we lost this game? To me, it's the four turnovers in a row in the second half. That, we get a stop. We should have been a scoop and score, but Logan Wilson just couldn't get it so close. He had a good game, though. Should have been a scoop and score, but Fields was able to recover. Instead, they punt, and T. Higgins fumbles. I don't think he fumbles very often, so weird play, but it happens. And then interception, 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 and that is really, it dug the hole too deep. And even though the defense was playing pretty well off of that, one of those was a pick six, hard to recover, hard for your defense to play on the field that long as well. It was like an entire quarter and a half that the Bengals didn't have the ball. They just kept throwing interceptions or turning it over in like one to three plays. That's really what killed them. I love that they kept fighting, though. I did see some people say that they should 
pool the starters and live to see another day. But if the Bengals are trying to be a winning team, they're not doing that anymore. Like that's that's what the losing teams do. They pull the starters, make sure everybody's okay. If Patrick Mahomes got pulled when they were down 17 with eight minutes to go, they'd be laughed at. I mean, really, they know that that offense can score. And if the Bengals think their offense is explosive and they think they can score, then you leave those guys in because there's a chance to win the game. And they did. They almost won the game. They were Trey Hendrickson's sack, his fingertips away from getting the ball back, with, I think with the two-minute warning still on the clock and timeouts to spare. Yeah, I hear you on the Hendrickson play. That was so close. And I felt if we got the ball back, Burrow was going to drive us for at least a field goal. You know, maybe McPherson kicks another 50-something yarder and we have a second overtime in a row. That's kind of what was going through my head. Let's fast forward to just a quick thought on the Steelers game. What should they be doing in the Steelers game? Like, how would you approach that offensively, play-calling-wise, to survive against that excellent defense? Well, Aluwalu just, I think, fractured an ankle so he's going to be out I hope he's okay he's like 38 at this point because I, I just don't like to see injuries on guys like that he's just trying to make a paycheck I don't care if he's a stealer or not TJ Watt has a groin injury but it seems like reports are already coming back that oh he has a good chance to play this week so I'm expecting him to play I mean it's it's <laughs> that's just the luck I don't I don't bank on a guy missing until he's inactive somebody told me Stefan too it's also on injured reserve so like they have some injuries to that front and it's still deadly it's it's still terrible to face against. I would not protect with five against them on more than, I don't know, four or five plays in the game. Like, And that ball has to come out quick when you do because you're leaving. I think Alex Highsmith's a good player. I think Jonah's a pretty good player. But if he plays like he did on Sunday, then Alex Highsmith might get the better of him. One-on-one with him. You've got the interior one-on-one with a monster in Cam Hayward. And the other side, they have Melvin Ingram now as their third pass rusher, so or edge rusher and he'll kick inside some too to go against Suofilo and Spain and TJ Watt I just feel like he's gonna play he's gonna be going one-on-one with Riley Reef. I'd rather have some chip help I'd like to leave a tight end in at least if you're gonna go no back and just give it give some help just knock TJ Watt off his spot on his rush so he can't just get a free run to the outside you know I'd play it a little safe like that I don't think the Steelers have good cornerbacks other than Joe Hayden Cam Sutton's okay, and Joe Hayden might miss this game too. So if they're down Hayden and Sutton is he's decent, pretty good, but then you have James Pierre and Akello Witherspoon, and I don't think either one of those guys are able to hang with the wide receivers we have. So I'd attack them, and this time I wouldn't attack them from empty. I'd, I'd leave guys in and attack them down the field. Great analysis, Sands. How do people find you on social media? I'm at Bengals underscore Sands on Twitter. AFC North standings. All right, the Bengals are currently in first place in the AFC North with a 1-1 one one record, and we're tied with the Ravens, Browns, and Steelers, who are all 1-1 one one as well. We're currently the third seed in the AFC for the wild card, but if you count conference wins, which are a tiebreaker, we're technically the 11th seed. That'll do it for this episode. Next episode is going to be a review of the Steelers game and a preview of the Jaguars game. I'd like to thank at Bengals Highlights on Instagram, the best page out there. Really cool highlights, really cool music, definitely something you should check out. Thank you for listening to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. The Unofficial Bengals Podcast.